Good morning. Good morning. Woo, I'm so glad. Some of you I haven't seen in a while, and I'm so glad to see you. I am Dee Dee Jones, and, uh, Director of Evangelism and Modern Worship Director, and I love my job, but I love this place, and I love you guys so much. I'm really glad to see you. I have to tell you, this awesome band is going to be playing next week. You do not want to miss Gospel Brunch. How many like good New Orleans-style singing? Yeah, okay, then you're going to love it. Um, We have a great service plan. Pastor Stan will be back um, next week. and And guys, where else can you go, hear good music, and have free food? Won't cost you anything, just come. Invite a friend, bring someone along that you've been wanting to bring, bring them with you. So, let me tell you what's going on a little bit before we get started. Pastor Stan is not here today because you are stuck with me. Amen. (laughs) Pastor, y'all lift him up and his family. His niece that we have been praying for for weeks passed away um, on Wednesday. And it was a rough road for Pastor this week. His beautiful niece, Megan, was not very old and left two little kids behind. And anybody trying to find the new normal in that is hard. And so what we really, really want to do in this place as a, as a body of Christ is just surround Pastor Stan and Tammy and their family through this time. We know, we know that she is healthy and whole now. But it's hard for the rest of us that are here behind, amen? Hard for family. So if you think about it, lift him up with extra prayer this week. Um, And then tell him, we had an okay Sunday, but we missed him. Amen. So here, let me tell you what's been going on. We have been in a study called The New Thing. I don't know about you, but new scares me sometimes. Because I'm really good about lacking my norm. Lacking my habit. Right? Really? Y'all going to leave me all by myself up here this morning. I like my habits. I like my routine. Something moves me out of that. I'm in trouble sometimes. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I want to tell you a little bit about where we're going, but I want to tell you today I'm calling this sermon Coming Out of the Dark. When I was a kid, there was a song by Gloria Estevan called Coming Out of the Dark, and it was all about... I'm moving the blinders from my face and I'm coming out of the dark. So today I want you to think about what it means to come out of the dark. We're going to read out of John 3 today. And I have to tell you, John 3 has probably the most powerful verse we use in the church today. But there's some really good meat before you get to that particular scripture. Thank you, baby girl. I love... My BK. She's awesome. Thank you. Do I dare tell y'all that her nickname for me is BM? (laughs) Bonus mom, just so y'all know. Her sweet mama shares her with me, but BM, yes. Okay, let's get back to holiness here. (laughs) But here's what's happened. We get to John 3, and Jesus has wreaked some havoc 
People are hearing some talk in the town. He has turned water to wine. He has turned the tables over in the temple. And people are like, what is happening? We even know that during Passover, he's staying in town and still wreaking havoc. And they're like, who is this? So it is in this context then that Nicodemus comes to see Jesus because Nicodemus is trying to figure out what is going on. John tells us that Nicodemus was a Pharisee and a leader of the Jews. So, a.k.a. he was really smart. Okay, so keep that in mind. He's one of those guys in the class that's really, really smart. So he's curious. He wants to find out what's happening. So that's where we begin. And if you want to pull your, script, your Bible out and stand with me, we're going to start in John 3, and we're going to start in verse 1. It's a little bit long, but I think we can get through it together. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it is not possible to see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, well, how is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the mother's womb for a second time. And how many women just cringed right there? And be born, isn't it? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. And whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born anew. God's spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. It's the same with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said, how are these things possible? Jesus answered, you are a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Uh Uh-oh. I think that just clobbered my toes right there. No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the human one. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Ooh, and this is where it gets good. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life. God God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world. Hello. I'm going to read that again because I got no amens. Lynn, where are you? God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world. But that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him isn't judged. Whoever doesn't believe in him is already judged because they, they don't believe in the name of God's only son. 
So then it goes on to say, this is the basis for judgment. The light came into the world and people loved darkness more than they love the light. For their actions are evil. All who do wicked things hate the light and don't come to the light in fear that their actions will be exposed to the light. Whoever does the truth comes to the light. It's a whole lot of light. So that it can be seen that their actions were done in God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So <clears throat> Nicodemus has a huge opportunity here. He has an opportunity to learn a new thing and not just from anyone. He has the opportunity to learn a new thing from Jesus himself. It gives me gooses. Can you imagine he gets to learn a new thing from Jesus himself. But Nicodemus doesn't seem to understand what Jesus wants him to learn. But he was smart. He was a Pharisee. He was a man of God. So maybe it's more likely that Nicodemus just didn't know what Jesus was trying to teach him. Or was it that he understood it but thought he knew better than Jesus? So he thought, I'm going to challenge him. So in Nicodemus' unbelief, he says, how can anyone be born after they're grown old? I kind of sit there and I want to go, why did he ask that question? How can you be born again when you're old? Then in the same verse 4, he says, can how can anyone enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? I'm like, oh my goodness. This has gone from bad to worse. Hello. Obviously a man asked that question. It ain't happening. I'm going to just tell you right now. And then he says in verse 9, then how can these things be? How? Can these things be? In the beginning of the scripture, John tells us that Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the dark. And I thought about this a lot. This hit me the most probably through this passage is that when Nicodemus came, he came at night. And John uses a lot of symbolism in his writing. And what he's trying to tell us is that Nicodemus has come to Jesus with lack of understanding. We've heard the phrase, I'm walking around in the dark here, right? That's basically what John is trying to tell us, is that Nicodemus is walking around, not just at nighttime, but literally, he's in the dark about this subject. So lack of understanding or maybe unwillingness to see the light, he still, though, has the opportunity to learn, and he takes the opportunity to move forward with that. And so he shows up. How many in here like to cook? <clears throat> you do? <clears throat> Excuse me. I have to tell you, <clears throat> I love to cook. And it's usually my out. Um, when I need to pray or think, I like to go and bake usually. But when I was a kid, Christmas Day was probably like most of you. It was the cat's meow of food spread. 
And what would happen is usually on Christmas Eve night, we would go and we would uh, do Christmas Eve service and come home usually dressed up, but it would be really late at night. And my dad and I would hurry up and put on aprons and we would begin this process of getting ready for Christmas Day. And what that meant in our house was making a bowl of dough about like this. And I'm really not exaggerating. It was this giant, have you seen those old school metal bowls? Okay, about the size of this table. And dad and I would take balls of dough off and we would begin to roll it like this. And then we would set it in flour. And we begin to roll and roll and roll. And yes, I didn't even take my shoes off. I didn't even take my clothes off in the sense of I'm still in dress clothes, rolling dough. Because we had to get it done. And in my parents' kitchen, um, there was a kitchen area, an island, and then there was this breakfast area. So this breakfast area had a table. There was the island that was really long, and then there was all of this cabinet space. We would roll so many pieces of dough that it would turn into about this big around places where we would lay this dough once we flattened it out. Flour everywhere. Let me tell you, nothing like getting flour out of this hair. Everywhere. But here's what I remembered. I remembered at night thinking, what are we doing? Like, let's get on with it. Dad, let's just go ahead. Let's cook it. Now, some of you may have already figured out what I'm fixing to tell you we were cooking. And I remember my dad would look and he would say, sweetie, you got to hold on to the patience. I'm like, what? But dad, it's everywhere. He's like, you got to hold on to the patience. Because in order for this to be really good, it's got to sit all night long. So that usually meant a bowl of cereal, getting ready for Christmas Day. But what I loved is that right up the stairs, not far, the first room at the top of the landing was my bedroom. So come Christmas morning, you know, the older you get, the later you get up on Christmas, right? Come Christmas morning, literally I would smell this smell that would permeate, that was the best smell ever. But it also reminded me of Christmas. Because all of a sudden, early that morning, Dad had gotten up, gone downstairs, put the chicken on, and he began to cut all of those flat, round pieces of dough. And I'm not kidding you. When he was done, it would be about this big round of nothing but homemade chicken noodles. Jesus was pleased with chicken noodles. So good. But it would teach me that sometimes in the dark, in the waiting, could we have made noodles? Probably. But would they have been really good noodles? Mm -mm. And in the learning and the process of cooking that Christmas meal, Christmas wouldn't have been Christmas until that giant pot of chicken and noodles had made its way to the dining table. 
And then all of a sudden, the wait was so worth it. The wait was so worth it. The knowledge that I had learned in the waiting, just standing there with my dad. Because here's the thing, guys. I got to spend time with my dad. And I got to spend time learning. And since I've lost my dad, boy, am I glad I had that time to learn. Sometimes we're all searching in the darkness for something and our patience runs really thin, right? We all know, we all know that tomorrow we're going to wake up and we're going to smell something that smells so good because we know that night doesn't last forever and that joy comes in the morning. We know that. But in the dark is when we begin to search sometimes. And in the dark is where it becomes really comfortable for us. There's a phrase that we use a lot called, we like being comfortable in our uncomfortableness. Because in the dark, it's familiar. And if I get out of that territory, I may not like the new thing. And God has told us what? In Isaiah we read, Remember not the former things, for I will do a... But in that new thing, I've got to have patience, right? Maybe we search in the dark because of our ignorance. Maybe it's just simply because we don't know. Maybe some of us, it's our disbelief that really, really is God going to do what he said he's going to do? Really? Because the last time I prayed, it didn't go so well. Maybe some of us, it's about our arrogance. Sometimes for me, it's about, well, I already, I've heard that Bible story a hundred times. I know God will do a new thing. But I'm going to be like Nicodemus and I'm going to show up just to ask, seriously, are you telling me I have to go back in my mother's womb again? Why we walk in the dark, I don't know. Recently in the news, we've heard about so many worship leaders and pastors, songwriters that have said, yeah, I'm done. I'm going to quit serving the Lord. And I have to be honest, Rafe got one of those texts from me this week. Thank you, God, for Rafe, who will deal with my crazy texts when I send them. And I'm like, Rafe, I don't know what to do with this. Because there are many times, I promise you, in ministry, Pastor Stan would say the same thing. Discouragement is an understatement sometimes. It's not easy. It's not easy coming out of the dark. And it's not easy that when you're out of the dark serving the Lord, it's not easy. But it is so worth it. And his faithfulness is something that I will never in my lifetime be able to describe to you what that's like. And so when I hear about colleagues and people that I've even met telling the world I'm done, when everything they've done prior to that has been so anointed. And then a gentleman comes back and he writes an article and he says this. He says, It is time for the church to rediscover the primness of the word and to value the teaching of the word. We need to value the truth over feeling. Wait, what? 
truth over emotion. And so here's the deal. The judgment's already been made, right? When God said, for God so loved the whole world and he didn't leave anybody out. That is the truth. And I even get today in churches, we tell people who God loves and who God doesn't. Shame on us. But that's not truth. Truth is that God said, I so love Dave that I sent my only son for you, Dave, that you will have life forever. Randall, God so loved you that he sent his son for you that you will have life forever. That's the truth. But here's the other truth. We can't stay in the darkness either. We can't stay in the darkness because we're afraid. We can't stay in the darkness because we don't understand. We can't stay in the darkness because we think we know it. Every day, I feel like I'm learning something new. I live with two boys. I'm learning something new every day. You guys, you teach me something new every day. When I let go of my expectations of what I think is supposed to look like and what's supposed to happen, and I allow the Holy Spirit to move, I might just leap off this platform right now, I'm telling you. When you let go of what you think is supposed to happen in your expectations and you begin to let God take over, there is no stopping you. There is no stopping you. All of us in this room have probably come to a point in our lives where we are ready to walk. And maybe some of you came today to go, you know what, I'm going to give this one last chance. Maybe some of you have been a place that you go, honey, you don't have any idea where I've been, and you're right, I don't, but God does. And here's the truth one more time. For God so loved you that he gave his only son so that you will have eternal life. That was it, and it was freely given to you. That's the truth. It's when it's the darkest that there's the greatest opportunity for the light. It's in the darkness that it's the greatest opportunity for the light. What I love in this scripture too is that Jesus challenges us in the message that he gives. For God so loved the whole world. And then he says, God's judgment has already been rendered. Hello, For God so loved the whole world. He's already placed that judgment and said, you know what? I'm not going to stand and judge you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. And no one knows our faults better than Jesus does. We can't hide those from him. It's not a complicated message. Jesus just wants to meet us where we are. Just like he met Nicodemus, knowing that Nicodemus was a smart man and still did not know or understand the answers. Because Nicodemus, to some degree, was living in his truth of what he thought was truth, right? 
Jesus said, no, you're making it way too complicated. (laughs) But here's the warning. It's a good warning, but it causes us to move. If you believe Jesus' message that God really loves you, no matter what, it's going to change you. And you have to ask yourself, do I really want to be changed? Do I really want a new thing? Because discovering a new thing isn't always easy. Rolling that dough wasn't easy. And I even knew what I was going to get the next day. But I wanted it right now. Are you willing to wait to see what God is doing? Are you willing to step out and in faith and know that God is working all things together for your good? But you've got to move. For Nicodemus, embracing this new way of seeing the world should be challenging for Nicodemus. The scripture says he was a man of Pharisees and a ruler of Jews. They came with power and prestige and social social standing, and he might have even given up. We do know that later on, though, Nicodemus didn't give up. We hear a little bit more about Nicodemus. Remember, Nicodemus was there when they buried Jesus. So maybe, maybe Nicodemus did get it. That's not just for people who have accepted Jesus as their Savior. That's for all of us. I need you to understand today that his love, he has no favorites. He loves you as much as he loves me. He loves that person next to you that may not like very much. Don't look at your husband or your wife. He loves them as much as he loves you. He loves your enemy as much as he loves you. The love is for us all. We should constantly be asking God, what new thing can I learn today? And that scares me to death sometimes because he's going to teach it to you if you're opening your eyes and you're ready to see it. There you go. I knew you'd come through. If we aren't being challenged, though, then what are we learning? If it's not challenging our understanding of the world, then we are probably doing something wrong. But we have to remember it's that embracing the change. And understanding that change, it will never leave us without community in our life. It will never leave us without each other because you know what? We're growing together. So how do I respond to all of this? How do I really respond? Because here's the deal, guys. 90 percent of you, I guarantee, have heard this before a million times. And I can promise when you respond to God, doesn't make it easy. It doesn't mean tomorrow you're going to get out of bed and it's going to look like a Disney movie. 
or a Hallmark. Amen. Who said that? Hallelujah. I love Hallmark. I'm cheesy and I know it and I own it, but I love Hallmark. I know how it's going to end. It's going to end good, but here's the deal. I read the back of the book and we win, guys. We win. You win, and I don't care what the world has told you. I don't care if the world has told you you're different or that you are something to give up on. You win. You win. But Jesus invites us all to learn a new thing. Sometimes that's about ourselves. Sometimes that's about the world around us. Sometimes it's about our neighbor. But I challenge all of us to dive into a new thing. As we get ready to close, um, There is no judgment from God in your decision today. Did you know that? Because we make the decision whether to move towards God or away. Some of us have been sitting in the same place for a really long time, and it's become pretty comfortable. But we don't like where we are. But some of us have said, but Didi, I don't know where to go, and I don't know how to move. Sometimes it's taking one step in front of the other. Sometimes it's trusting what you can't see or what you don't know. Sometimes, sometimes it's just moving forward. And remember what Pastor Mike Bowie said in our revival. He said, don't go this way. Don't look back because you're not even going that way. Maybe some of you have been dealing with addiction. Maybe some of you have been like, I don't know how I'm going to pay tomorrow's rent. Maybe some of you have sat there and said, I am so tired. I'm just depressed. How am I supposed to move? not going back I'm moving ahead I'm here to declare to you my past is over in you all things are made new surrender my life to Christ I'm moving I'm moving Father, I love you and I thank you for who you are. That we don't have to stay where we are. That we can keep learning. But God, we can keep moving.
Father, we thank you.